this is a very, very special service. I believe it's your service. You know, I'm not sure where to begin, but let's see where we can go. Today, I'm going to be talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit. And there are a few key things that um, I'll mention. There are a few key things that I'll mention. I wish someone had brought me one of the copies of my books, which I think are also supposed to be at the back. But we are sleeping today. Okay. So I'm going to be talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit. Tell your neighbor the person of the Holy Spirit. And I want you in the best way you know how to. For a moment, I want you to describe to the person seated next to you who the Holy Spirit is. Three three key things about who the Holy Spirit is. Just try. You may be wrong, it's okay. So, who is the Holy Spirit to you? I'm walking about, I'm listening. Chansa, who is the Holy Spirit? She's still telling you. What are you going to tell her? It's a friend. When did you become friends? <laughs> okay. There is no discussion in some of these areas. It's a serious question. Yes, who's the Holy Spirit? Your comforter. When did he comfort you? <laughs> yes, who's the Holy Spirit? Your friend. Okay. Who's the Holy Spirit? It's God. Wonderful. Okay. Who is the Holy Spirit? You're confident. Hey, come on. <laughs> Who is the Holy Spirit? Best friend. Hey, so the Holy Spirit has got that many best friends. Okay. So we are dealing with that topic. The person of the Holy Spirit. Now, there is something that I mentioned in my book, Friend from Another Dimension, The Holy Spirit and You. Um... And we we made sure that recently we reprinted some copies because we realized that a number of... We've not advertised them yet. There are actually quite a few that we reprinted. But we realized that a number of you who are part of this church who've not read some of these books. That's why you ask questions which the answers are already there. I was talking to one of my friends and he was telling me that there are certain lecturers who would refuse to answer questions when they've already given you the material. And to be honest, it makes it easier when people can invest in these materials. Some of you need to get this stuff for somebody else. You might not be able to write your own book as good as that one in terms of on that subject, but you can buy it and give it to somebody else. eh? Amen. If you can write your own and it's better, well and good. Hallelujah. (laughs) But I was reading the book and it blessed me i only read one chapter today no not even one chapter just a few sentences the introduction actually and it blessed me and there's something that i wrote in it that really got me thinking what i wrote is this if i had one with me right now i would have just read it out nevertheless what i wrote is in our african tradition if there is something that we do, it's that we pay attention to the words that a person says before they die. Have you noticed that? In African tradition, and I think it's generally around the world, except I've not really interacted with other people, so I'll be biased to Africa. You hear people say things like, no, before he died, this is what he told me. these were the last words no one really talks about the first words 
people talk a lot about the last words because it's believed. Here's the reason why we pay attention to those words. Number one, it's believed that a person who's about to move on has got nothing to lose. They've got no reputation to keep. They've got nothing to lose. That's the point where they can even tell you, no, I was silly, I shouldn't have done this, I shouldn't have done this, do this like this, that one, don't talk to them, this one, do this, because they've got nothing to lose. Even if they died with credit, you can't go to the graveyard and get the money from them. They have nothing to lose. That's what we believe. They've got absolutely nothing to lose. Hallelujah. Apart from that, we believe that they would have gained, I don't know, somehow there's a way they think, and because they are thinking for your good, there are certain things that they will tell you, which if you pay attention to those things, will help you in the lifetime. Having said that, have you observed that when Jesus was about to die, who did he start talking about a lot? The Holy Spirit. He's about to die, he starts talking about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And we can see that. I, wa I want you to see, these are some of the closing chapters of Jesus' life according to the book of John. Give me John 14. We'll go into details, but I just want you to see something. I want you to see John 16, actually. Just something that he said. And give me verse 9. Does it take that long to get a book here? Give me John 16. And verse 9. Uh, let's start from, for context, let's start from verse 5. I want, I want us just to see context. But now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you asks me where you're going. Uh-huh. Because I've said these things, sorrow has filled your heart. Let's go on. Let's keep going. Nevertheless, and I want you to follow this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Thank you. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now, let, let, let's get a context here. Jesus is telling the disciples, saying... You're better off having the Holy Spirit around than me. Wait. <laughs> no, we are going somewhere. Can you imagine that's what Jesus is telling the disciples? He's saying, it's actually to your advantage. It's more expedient that I go. Because if I do not go, the helper will not come. So, there is a certain level the body of Christ would have never reached unless Jesus went and the Holy Spirit came you'll get to understand why as we go on. But nevertheless, the point here is Jesus is telling his disciples whom he loves about the Holy Spirit just before his death. Now, if we pay attention to a person before they die, how much more attention should we pay to a person who's died and then risen again? I don't know if you're getting my point. <laughs> how much more attention do we pay? I think we've heard of one or two rumors. You know, this is Zambia. This is Africa. I was dealing with... There's a case... Um, sorry, I'm used to having more hair, so it's usually on somewhere to stick. I didn't know there would be disadvantages. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's sliding. <laughs> there was a case some years ago where there was a young lady, I think, who died and then she... I don't know what happened, but she reappeared. Everyone wanted to be where she was. They all wanted to hear what she had to say. Jesus resurrected. And when he resurrected, give me the book of Acts, chapter number 1. Acts 1. And I want us to read from verse... Let's maybe from 3, 4. We get a context. He presented himself alive. Aha, uh -huh, next verse. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. So, he has resurrected. Guess who he's still talking about? The Holy Spirit. 
and he tells them, wait. And have you used the words there? The Bible doesn't say he suggested to them or he gave them a friendly reminder. Jesus literally commanded them and tells them, don't start church yet. You're not ready to begin the church yet. Yes, I've preached to you. Yes, you've seen me. You've seen me dead. You've seen me alive, but you're not ready yet. Wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for the ultimate fulfillment. When you receive him, it will be all be worth it. Can you imagine? It will all be worth it. Let's go on. For John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So, Jesus resurrects and guess what? He was still talking about the Holy Spirit. So we have to pay attention. If before he died, he was talking about the Holy Spirit. After he died, he was talking about the Holy Spirit. Then that just shows you that the Holy Spirit is the most important person on earth. He's the most important person in the life of a believer. The most important person in the life of a believer is the Holy Spirit. So it, it seemed right to me that we revisit this topic of the person of the Spirit. I want to just show you one thing which I've never really highlighted. Give me Acts chapter 10. And I want us to read the story of a vision that Peter received. Then we can start. Are we in Acts chapter 10? Okay. I want us to read from verse 9. Now, in Acts chapter 10, the first part, uh, the Cornelius had a vision. And an angel told him that a man called Peter was going to be coming. So afterwards, God goes to speak to uh, Peter. I must mention, please, that if you... Um, I'm trying to find a very nice way of putting this. Have you read when God appeared to Ananias, is it? Is it Ananias, the one who laid hands on Paul? Have you noticed that when God appeared to him, he told him, Paul has seen in a vision you coming to lay hands. I'm just saying, if you really 100% believe God has done like a matchmaking on you, perhaps it would be important if he showed both sides. Hallelujah. <laughs> Otherwise, the other person has got the right <laughs> to say, well, <laughs> praise God for your vision, but I may not have seen the same. That's why what I would advise you, if you feel it is a vision from the Lord, don't go there and present the vision. Go there and present what they call gain. Hallelujah. <laughs> and if the person is willing, <laughs> if the person is willing, just lift your hands. All good and perfect gifts come from the Father above. May game locate you. <laughs> okay. So the Bible says the next day they went on their journey and Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. This should have been... Okay, whatever time you went to pray. Let's go. <laughs> then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. So it's possible to become hungry while praying. Okay, that's not the point. It's just that we're doing a fast right now. So <laughs> this scripture has been encouraging me. So, but well, they made ready. He fell into a trance. Now, a trance is where a vision becomes so real. Like you can see it almost as if it's in the natural. It's like the curtains of time are open. Let's go on. And so heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. Are you following? Say, I'm following. And it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. Now, to understand this, you'd have to read right over there in the book of Leviticus 
and in the law where there were certain foods that they were forbidden from eating they were told if you eat these foods they are unclean you're not supposed to eat them don't eat pork chops don't eat bacon um, don't eat hungarian hallelujah although they were not supposed to eat any of that stuff now those things were given to the jews okay let's go on. praise god of zambia <laughs> Why are you clapping? <laughs> Why are some people so touched to hear that? Okay, let's go on. And a voice came to him and said, Rise, Frederick. Rise, Peter. Kill and eat. Hallelujah. We'll be having a church bride. Uh, <laughs> by the way, you know, God has such a sense of humor. Let me tell you why I say God has such a sense of humor. Um, in understanding the prophetic, I really want us to, when we're dealing with the prophetic, one thing I'll tell you is this. There are times when we tell each other things like, no, if you are thinking about this, then you hear God telling you about it. Now, let's not make it a law that just because you're thinking about it and God speaks to you about it, then it's your mind. Let's not make that a law. Because Peter was hungry and God gives him a vision about food. Isn't that, isn't that a very big sense of humor? So it's very possible. Let's go on. You understand the context soon. Peter said, not so Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. Next. And a voice spoke to him again and said, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. Now, you'll see later on that he was talking about the Gentiles. Now, what was God trying to tell Peter in this vision? He was trying to tell someone that the person whom God has cleansed, you are not permitted to call common. What does that mean? How many of you have read in the scriptures about a man named... Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of... How many of you have read about Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a tax collector and he was generally a bad person. He, he, he duped a lot of people. If you go to heaven today and find Zacchaeus, you're not permitted to call him a bad person and a person who duped a lot of people. You're not permitted to call anything unclean which God has called clean. You are not permitted to. No wonder the Bible says, who shall lay a charge upon God's elect? You are not permitted to condemn him whom God has not condemned. You are not permitted to call anyone or anything unclean whom God has made clean. Now, the context of this scripture is that it was talking about the Gentiles. We, the Gentiles, the Gentiles are any people who are not Jewish. So in short, we were all Gentiles. Actually, we are Gentiles, all of us. Hallelujah. Just in case some people here believe. <laughs> so... All of us are Gentiles. Now, there are people who believe they can get born again because they followed the Ten Commandments. Now, here is the interesting thing. The Gentiles didn't even have an opportunity to follow the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments were not even given to them in the first place. They were that, <laughs> when we're talking about being unclean, the Gentiles, they weren't even given to them. them don't, they didn't even have the right to know the commandments. They didn't even have the right to know them. And so the Gentiles were considered unclean by the Jews. And the Jews never used to mix with the Gentiles. Because according to them, these were unclean people. And you know how the Bible says, uh, uh, two cannot walk together unless they agree. So and do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So these were Gentiles. These were unclean people. These were us. We were unclean by birth. We were unclean by ethnicity. Just because we were not Jewish, we were the Gentiles. Now here is the part that you'll find interesting. Can we keep going? After the vision, Peter went to preach where the Gentiles were. And he preached a very powerful message. And in verse 44, I want you to see something. Acts 10 verse 44. 
The Bible says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. Oh, glory to God. I wonder what it's like to have the Holy Spirit fall on you. Imagine that the Holy Spirit fell on them. That's a taco. That's a... <laughs> so do you think they remain standing? You know, that's a poor question. Hey, how come in your meetings you lay hands on people? They fall? The Holy Spirit fell on them. Do you honestly think they remain standing? There must have been somersaults in that place. Now, here is the thing. By this time, the Jewish Christians had received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And because of how Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit, and because of their understanding of the Holy Spirit, they, found, they looked at themselves as so precious because they had received the gift of the Spirit. For them, it was all about the Holy Spirit. How do I know? When, Paul, when Peter was preaching, he said, Repent, every one of you, that you may receive the Holy Spirit. So salvation for them was all about receiving this special person called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was the greatest advertisement of Christianity. It was, look, if you get saved, you're going to have the Holy Spirit. And as the psalmist once put it, Dinemwana Wamulungu, her day is a party. Hallelujah. I'm sure that's what the first uh, musician... Can somebody say glory? So, while he was still speaking, here are people who had been considered less than everyone. People who had been considered so undeserving that for them, they didn't even have an opportunity to follow the law. And then while Peter is still speaking, that same Holy Spirit who was on them falls on them as well. Look at what it, look at what it, let's go on. And those of the circumcision, meaning those who were children of Abraham with the covenant of circumcision, who believed, were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. They were Christians were shocked. They were saying, this one can receive the Holy Spirit. This one has the Holy Spirit. This one has the Holy Spirit. I don't know how your life may be. I don't know who may have been shocked at you receiving salvation. I don't know who may have been shocked at you receiving the Spirit. Before you know it, that same Spirit, the way He freely gives gifts, Decides even to give you the gift of prophecy. <laughs> this one can prophesy to me. Yes. Don't call anything unclean which God has called clean. Don't call it unclean. Not which God has called clean. Let's go on. For they heard them speak with tongues. By the way, there are people who argue about speaking in tongues. How did they know these guys had received the Holy Spirit? It's because they heard them speaking in tongues. So they heard them speaking in tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? In short, the Holy Spirit is the great equalizer. It's the Holy Spirit that equalizes the Gentiles and the Jews. It's the Holy Spirit that equalizes them, that now a Gentile can go before God and pray using and pray to God through the Jewish man, Jesus, and has an expectation to receive just as they did. That's, that's how precious the Holy Spirit is. He's the great equalizer. Let me show you another, another one which might sound controversial. Can I show you? Take me to Joel. Take me to Joel chapter number. Come on, we know it. Joel chapter number two. How many of you know that if you are to read the Bible honestly, with an honest heart and an honest understanding of the scriptures, you will discover that Hey, should I, how, how honest should I be? Okay. How many of you have noticed if you read it properly and with a lot of understanding, you discovered that men were regarded in a more favorable manner than women? How many of you have noticed that? It's just to be honest with yourselves, these things. 
For example, like sometimes it was so bad that women were not even counted. Like we just thought they fed 5,000 men. We don't even know how many women were fed. It, you know, that number could be bigger. But the women are usually more in meetings than men. And Jesus moved with more women than men. Anyways, some people have wondered how that came about. Let me show you something. Take me to Genesis 3. We're talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. Oh, glory, glory. Do you know? Oh, the glory of your presence. Woo! Genesis 3. Let's, let, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Some people are saying I stopped singing these days. Okay. Genesis 3. I want us to say something. I'm not going to remember that the woman ate of the fruit. God came, he asked Adam, Hey, Adam says, I think God speaks to the woman. Okay, my nyanjas ran out. I'm trying these days. Genesis 3. Now, I want us to see how God dealt with the matter. Verse 7 or 8. Start from verse 7. As we glory. Okay, 9. Verse 9. Let's. I, I, want, I want us to go to the part where God addressed the man and the woman. I just want us to see something. We are taking our time as we analyze this topic. So we'll read verse. I want us to read verse. 15. So God is speaking to the serpent, and we know from the Amplified that this serpent, I don't know how, but this serpent uh, was Satan because the dragon, the Bible says, that old serpent. Right? So let's read. So God is speaking, and He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Question, biologically, who produces the seed? Is it the woman or the man? Come on, who produces the seed? Is it the woman or the man? But how come God tells Satan that her seed he was trying to show that the Messiah who would come would have nothing to do with the man. Hallelujah. <laughs> nothing to do with the man. Now let's go on. Now, to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. Now, some of you are listening to me. I'm now speaking to you as your pastor. Hallelujah. Are you ready for this one? Okay. You will receive it by faith. If you've given birth before and it was really hard, that is the last time you'll have a really hard one. Hallelujah. Your babies will come, will be very easy. Ah, I think some are not ready for this. It is well. He said, no, listen. It was the curse that says I will multiply. So, since we are not under the curse now, we can reduce the multiplication. Don't you think so? Hallelujah. <laughs> I think some don't want that one. It's okay. I'll leave it. I'll leave it. So, no, I'm now saying, now for those of you who have not had, yes. hallelujah. Now that you know these things, yes. none of you shall have trouble with your conception yes. and delivery. Hallelujah. Wait, did somebody just receive it for his future wife? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Some of you, you end up using this line. You, do you know how many prayers I received on your behalf? Well, Tasha should be thanking me. Huh? They call you for the meeting for Lawola. You want me to pay? You should be paying me. I'm a walking breakthrough. <laughs> I'm over-invested in prayer. 
Anyways. <laughs> Don't do that. So the Bible says, he, to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Now look at this part. It says, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. If you read it from the KJV, I think it says, he will lord it over you. Now, this is not a head of a house in the context of like Christ is head of the church. This is a perversion of head of the house. This is a head of the house who bullies you. But somehow her desire is just for him. The man keeps bullying her. Her desire is just for him. Like, it's obvious. <laughs> Let's not even talk about marriage. Just in the relationship, there's 62 other women. You know it. You know it. You know their names. You know where they live. You know their LRSA numbers. Because ladies are the best investigators in the world. You know everything about them. But somehow when he just comes and says, No, I've changed. I was wrong. Everything about you says, You know, people change. Why? Because from this very moment you notice that this was the beginning. In the first place, it was supposed to be the helper. The way God intended it was not for a society that bullies another gender. It was for a society that exists in harmony. Everyone playing their functions. For example, the role of the president is not to bully the vice president. Because the vice president is there to help the president. And there are certain things that you'll find a president will usually put people in certain positions who are better than him in other things because they can help them. So you see that respect that's supposed to be there. Now, from this time, as we go forward, oh my goodness, you would not enjoy reading on women in the Bible. That's why every lady now says they've got the mantle of Deborah because she's practically the only one. Let's be honest. But then there was a promise given. There was a promise given. There was a promise given, my friends. There was a promise given. <laughs> Take me to Joel chapter 2. There was someone who was going to come on earth, and I want you to see this. Verse 28. The Bible says, the people who say, no, we're not supposed to have women of God, just men of God. Okay, let's go on. That's another topic I would have to do with all those scriptures, and you'll see why some of them are like that. But it says... It shall come to pass afterwards. I will pour out my spirit on some flesh. On Jewish flesh. On male flesh. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons shall prophesy. Come on. Your sons shall be the only ones prophesying. It says your sons and daughters. Suddenly the daughters are included. I wish this was a women's conference. <laughs> the screams I would get if this was... <laughs> and it says, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Let's go to the next verse. And on my men servants only. Okay. And on my main servants and my maid servants shall I pour out my spirit. Oh, it must have been a bit shocking for some of the gentlemen because they discovered the women they were praying with received the same Holy Spirit they received. The Holy Spirit is the great equalizer. Now, by the way, I'm not... There's a very interesting thing I tell people. The Bible says, wives, submit to your own husbands. It doesn't say submit to everyone's husband. So, Genesis 3.28. So, if you are appointed as the boss at work, you are the boss. And no one should take advantage of you because they think they're more dominant. Your submission is to your own husbands, not Manashan, not Manachitelelewe's husband. It's your own husband. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, if you're appointed as boss at work, he should respect you. Okay. Why are the gentlemen saying amen when this is the Bible? No, don't develop... A mindset. Anyways, Galatians 3 verse 28. Look at what the Holy Spirit did. 
We're talking about there is neither Jew. Let's start from verse 26 for context. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Uh For as many as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And we do know that we've seen this scripture used in another context of being baptized in the spirit. That we've all come to one spirit. Not so. Next verse. For there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. So meaning one person can be CEO. Another person is working as the person who makes tea for the CEO. In Christ, there's nothing like, oh, this one will have a senior Holy Spirit because they're a CEO and, you know, they've got a better education. This one has a PhD, so they deserve a more eloquent Holy Spirit. No, 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 no. The same Holy Spirit a grade two dropout receives is the same one that a PhD holder receives. He's the great equalizer. (laughs) Hallelujah. And glory to God. Guys, some people think their Holy Spirit is the one with a British accent. So, it says there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. Look at this. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Can you imagine that? Same Holy Spirit. He's the great equalizer. He's the one who's brought about this unity of faith. I've said all that so I can now, and I've just realized time has gone. What's my point? The Holy Spirit is important. A few other verses just to highlight the importance of the Holy Spirit. I want us to see... I want us to see... Take me to the book of Luke. Somebody say glory. Your voice has sound nice. <laughs> Give me Matthew 1 verse 20. Or maybe let's start with Luke 1 verse 35, then Matthew 1 verse 20. Luke 1 verse... Say glory. Which key are you singing? A sharp. <laughs> Is that true, Tamandani? Luke 1 verse 35, the Bible says... Now, imagine an angel comes to Mary and says, hey, you're about to be, the, you're about to be a mother. And she's like, I don't know a man. Like, yeah, well. And she, this is what the angel says. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. God has got a message for somebody today. They're going to be that one who saves so many patients. And they're wondering, but I'm not good at science. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Matthew 1 verse 20. I want us to see the actual context of this. Matthew 1 20. What does the Bible say? Say glory. Now look at this. Joseph is planning to divorce Mary. It's interesting that when Joseph didn't believe Mary, God decided to visit Joseph as well. You see what I'm saying about God being fair? Okay. (laughs) But while he thought about these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, I pray may you have a dream that brings direction in Jesus' name. Oh my God, you don't know how big this is. I pray that you have a dream that shows you the way to go in Jesus' name. Yeah. And an angel appeared to him saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife. To take you to marry your wife. There are some people here who wonder, why do we... Have you noticed that there are some people in this place? We talk very seriously concerning the relationships you are in, even when you are not married yet. And you think we are overdoing it. The Son of God was trusted to a couple that was about to be married. It was a serious deal to God. These guys were just engaged. Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do it in the name of the Lord. The Bible tells us against idle words. I'm a gentleman. Those my I love you. 
The Bible tells us against idle words. Words have life. The Bible says, Thou shalt not muzzle an ox while it treadeth. Kindly don't confuse our sisters if you know you've got no you've got no plan for their lives. Hallelujah. Thou shalt not muzzle an ox while it treadeth. Hallelujah. Just doing her own thing. Living life. Then your friend dared you. Ah. May an angel appear to you. Hallelujah. <laughs> Ladies, I'll be on you next week. So anyway, the Bible says, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. Now look at this. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Question, who made Mary pregnant? The Holy Spirit. So why was Jesus called the Son of God? Because that which was conceived in her was by the Holy Spirit. Why are we called children of God? Because we've been given... You know the Holy Spirit gave birth to us? Can I show you? Look at this. John 3. Jesus is talking. We'll have to end here. My God, I can... This topic, I can go on for hours. John 3, look at this. From verse... From verse 3. From verse 3. Verily, verily, I say unto you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Uh-huh. Nakapelele has begun. Nicodemus said to him, <laughs> you know, when you're young, you can entertain yourself with so many things. I remember when Nakapelele would come, I even had a song for it. I would sing that it's out now and then I'll have to we'll compete over who can catch the most. Hallelujah. <laughs> The Bible says, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the, into his mother's womb and be born? Uh-huh. Jesus answered and I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Next verse, look at this. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. How does a person get born again? When the spirit of God gives birth to you. Why was Jesus called the Son of God? Because that which was conceived in Mary was of the Holy Spirit. Why are you called a child of God? Because you were conceived by the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God birthed you. That's why you're called born again. Hallelujah. Do you know that? Okay, one more verse. John 1. Look at this. John 1 verse 11. Uh-huh. He came to his own and his own received him not. Don't be like that. Verse 12. But as many as received him, he gave them the right to become children of God. I was at Mulungushi last week and I was talking about how not everyone in the world is a child of God. You should have seen the looks on the face. Not everyone is a child of God. Like, yeah, some people are children of the devil. Are you serious? If I never had scriptures, I would have been stoned that day. Not everyone in the Bible is called a child of God. The Bible says, as many as received him, he gave them the right to be called children of God. So when you receive Jesus, that's when you receive the right to be called a child of God. Next verse. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So when you are born of the Spirit, then you are born of God. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is God. That's how important the Holy Spirit is. Do you know that Jesus addressed the Holy Spirit Oh my goodness, I've got so much to say, but maybe I end here. I was going to tell you one more point. But then that point was going to make me tell you another one. Okay, one just for thinking purposes. John 14 verse 10. When we pray, we pray to our Father who art in... Where is our Father? Okay. Do you believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Have you noticed he didn't, in this context, he didn't say the Father who is in heaven. He said the Father who dwells in me does the works. Do you see how much honor Jesus had for the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit call Jesus say? He says the Father who dwells in me. Now, before somebody gets confused, let me confuse you a bit more. Next verse. 
Come on, guys. It's like a button jumping. <laughs> Next verse. Huh? Most assured. Uh-huh. Next verse. So he says, whoever believes in me will do these works. Uh-huh. Next verse. Uh-huh. Next verse. Actually, let's go earlier. I, I want us to see one more. I want us to be just a little more confused than we already are. Because I know we're a bit confused. How does Jesus call the Holy Spirit that? He, he, somebody say glory. Verse 7. Give me verse 7. I just want you to see this. Let's just get slightly more confused than we're okay. Verse 7. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on you know him and have seen him. Jesus is saying to the disciples, you now know him and you've seen him. Next verse. Philip said to him, and I don't blame Philip, Lord, show us the Father and it is sufficient for us. Next verse. Jesus said, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Can you imagine, he tell, he's talking about the Father in heaven in this context. And he tells them, if anyone sees me, he's seen the Father. Then verse 10, he tells them, the Father who dwells in me. Now he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Wait, wait, wait. Can we, can we just, one last verse. I'm sorry for overdoing it. Then verse 16, he tells them this. I will pray the Father, which Father in heaven? And he will give you another helper. In the Greek, Alos Paraclet. That he may abide with you forever. Uh-huh, next verse. Watch this. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. Now look at the, look at the tense. He says, but you know him. He didn't say you will know him. He's telling them, <laughs> Hallelujah. Winfold, come, 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 come. Cassandra, come. Justin, come. Look at this. Does it feel like I'm being biased? Okay, Malama, come. Elizabeth, come. Okay, just look at this context. Let's just stand here. These are the disciples, right? So let's imagine this is Jesus, right? And then... This is Matthew. This is John. This is Bartholomew. <laughs> this is Andrew. I was going to say Judas. The other Judas. There were two Judases. There was Iscariot and the other one. Like the name Judas is not even a bad one. What's the problem? <laughs> Andrew. You know there were two Judases, right? And one was Iscariot. I'm sure some of you will get shocked in heaven. Some guys pass, oh, that's one of the disciples of Jesus. Oh, who? Hi, I'm Judas. Hey! No, not that one. Not that one. Okay. So Jesus tells them, look at, Jesus tells them, saying, guys, and I'm sure Jesus when preaching used to do this a lot. And Jesus is telling them, see, I will pray to the Father and he'll give you another counselor. And they're thinking, oh, we can't wait to meet him and get to know him. And Jesus says, but you know him. I think, what? And then he says, for he dwells with you. In short, he's already living with you. Who is he talking about there? Himself. And he says, and will be in you. My friend. <laughs> oh my. The Bible talks about the mystery of the Godhead. When you have met Jesus, you have met the Father and you have met the Spirit. When you've met the Spirit, you've met the Father and you've met Jesus. Hallelujah. When you've met the Father, you've met Jesus, you've met the Spirit. At the end of the day, you just start saying, okay, I've met God. And the, why he said it is better for you to... Now, just... 
a final sentence for today. Why he said it's better for, the, for me to go so that the Spirit of God comes is because of this. Jesus was never going to be real to them if he was just on the outside. Jesus needed to become an internal experience. That's why when they had Jesus on the outside, they ran away from him. How come when Jesus was on the outside, Peter denied him? But when Jesus was now on the inside and living on the inside, Peter just couldn't. Peter was killed for the sake of the gospel. The same Jesus he had denied was now alive in him. There is nothing, there is no deeper connection than having somebody dwelling in you. That's why he said it's more expedient that I go. Some people ask, how do you still have this hope? How do you still have this faith? How come the whole world can be living this way, but somehow you can't? It's because it's no longer an external experience. And that's the difference between coming to church and getting saved. Because when you get saved, you're no longer just coming to church. The church is in you. Hallelujah. <laughs> glory, 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 glory. And I'll tell you this. Why this message is so precious to me is because for me, this is not a topic. This is the person we're talking about. And he's the one who makes Jesus real. We would have all had to travel to Israel and somehow hope to touch the hem of his garment. But now we've come to a place where we're not even praying to touch the hem of his garment. Come on, we've got the whole body. We can now eat his flesh and drink his blood. Hey, I should preach that during communion. I'm not even aiming for the garment. I can eat his flesh and drink his blood. Hey. Hallelujah. Hey, before you call me a cannibal, Jesus said, here's my flesh. Eat. And so you may be listening to me today and you're thinking... Apostle, I don't know as many scriptures as you. Listen, when I said knowing the Holy Spirit, I knew no scriptures. I've not been as faithful in the Lord. Listen, when I said knowing the Holy Spirit, I was not faithful in the Lord. As a matter of fact, that's how I got saved. Because I heard him speaking to me. You don't need to be at your best to come to him. You don't need to be at your... Listen, you go to university not knowing anything. Some of the stuff you thought you knew in grade 12, you went to university and realized it was, some of it was a lie. But you trust that you've gone to somebody who will help you. So you're not ashamed to go as unknowledgeable as you are. And then you are taught. How much more with the Spirit of God? He was sent to be your helper because God knew you needed the help. Hallelujah. Please, let the Holy Spirit not be unemployed in your life. Let me say that one more time. Don't allow the Holy Spirit to be unemployed in your life. Hallelujah. 